to Thriving with a Chronic Illness. I am your host, Smiling Sonia, and I share ideas, tools, and strategies I've learned living with and recovering from recurrent viral meningitis. I've undergone mindset shifts that have helped me move from just living to striving with a chronic illness. I know what it's like to worry about taking extended sick leave or losing a job through chronic illness. I share how you can become financially stable with the peace of mind that you have enough money saved to prepare for those emergencies and cover future financial goals. Good morning, Smiling Sonia here. And it is Thursday the 28th of January 2021. I've, I've, and then I've, I'm doubting myself. <laughs> so I've got my, my hand up. I'm going to count on my fingers. Because Monday was the 25th, I believe. 25, 26, 27. Yes, definitely the 28th today. And then I'm, I'm still doubting myself. So <laughs> I've gone to the app. And um, yes, it's definitely 28th today, 28th of Jan. And uh, oh, just checking, I haven't got my glove. Oui, and I'm out today, and the temperature is just right. It's been raining this morning, so all the ice and snow has gone, and it's not slippery underfoot but likely to be very muddy so I'm going to keep to the hard paths today no gaiters on either uh, I didn't get out from my walk yesterday but uh, I am out today so I'm going to do this each time because I, I do talk about finance uh, in this podcast and it's really important to, to know that I'm not an expert. I'm just sharing my own experiences, what I've learned, what I'm learning, my plans around my future. And part of me thriving with my chronic illness is, is having a sort of a finance, financial base foundation where I have some peace of mind. And then there are other things that I that comes into that in terms of my health, my physical environment. Those are the most important. And then, of course, there's other stuff, relationships, career. Ah, and that's what I'm going to be talking about today, career. Wow. But uh, before I jump into the subject, my usual thing, uh, just an update. So health-wise, physically, I'm feeling all right. So... At the weekend, I had this feeling of, it felt as if I had normal energy. I don't know whether you, I guess if you suffer with fatigue and tiredness from an illness, you may understand what that is. And, and I think I, I get used to feeling a certain way, and that becomes my normal. And then I'll have a day where it's as if this cloud has been lifted. And I thought, oh, 
feel alright. So that means I haven't been feeling alright, although I thought I was, you know. So I had that at the weekend, and then on Monday evening, I came down with a crash. I really did. Crashed. Totally crashed. Now, the last few days, uh, I've been alright. <laughs> so I say that tentatively. I have. Yesterday, I decided not to come out for my walk. Now, <laughs> so what happened was, because I've uh, got a lot of demands at work at the moment, and uh, I had a couple of reports that needed to be completed <coughs> by yesterday, <coughs> the deadline, and I was being bombarded with reminders and I knew that each time I scheduled time to do them, I was dealing with, yeah, urgent matters. Urgent and important. So, and those, those are the two things. Uh, that's how I measure uh, the, 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 the urgency, but is it important? Do I have to do it now? And there were things coming up that I really needed to do, and so I kept putting it back. And then yesterday, the deadline... And there were a number of meetings I wanted to attend yesterday, which, in the grand scheme of things in my work, may not be seen as, to some people, would not be seen as important and urgent. But for me, <laughs> they were important. Urgent would be because they're happening yesterday. <clears throat> but... Uh, if I, in terms of prioritisation, the reports would have had to take priority over those meetings. And I just say there were union, you know, union meetings, and one was a meeting uh, of a newly formed uh, race equality forum. So, and that's important to me. <laughs> May not be important to others, but definitely important to me. So I made the decision yesterday, after doing my workout to not go out for my walk and to start work earlier. So I got to my laptop before I had breakfast even. So I I'd quickly prepared my breakfast stuff, went and got started on the reports before the first meeting that I wanted to attend. And uh, very interesting, because I did that. And I also, I, I mean, I, I do this thing about breathing. I, I stopped and the first report I did, uh, the message, the, my self-talk was, I don't have to overcomplicate things. I just need to keep it simple, um, state what needs to be stated, look what's already been done. And I completed that report very quickly. It was an update and it was done very quickly. The second report was one that was more complicated and needed information from different places and so I think I was procrastinating a bit maybe on that but once I, you know, I knew that I needed to do it and I wanted to do it before these meetings I was going into so that my mind was clear uh, and I could relax into those meetings and again I stopped reminding myself that I already have the information I have the information I need and they're in note form and I think oh, I've got to find them in my notebook I thought that's okay stop get my because I keep a sort of 
daily notebook of tasks I've done and when I have meetings. And some I use OneNote online, some I use a, a, hardback, a journal, a paper version. And I thought the information is there. So just take your time, flip through the pages, you'll find it. And then also I found another document that I created, which means the report that I was doing, I could just literally lift some stuff out of that into the current document. I thought, ah, oh. okay. <laughs> so, so it meant that I got, I actually got those reports done in the morning before my first meeting. I was even able to go and do myself an omelette, <laughs> get back. And I had, can you believe, six meetings. So in between, I had three union meetings, but we're sort of focusing on different things. And then I had other meetings in between. <laughs> I was, um, I mean, I didn't really have a clear lunchtime. And so and I, and my last meeting finished at six. So I really started early and I finished late. And, uh, but it was all right. I can't, I... Uh, this, I think when you have demands and you feel overwhelmed by stuff, that can make you tired. And I'm sure that was uh, an issue. But also, one of the things I think that lifted for me was I, I began to, I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. And because my colleague who's been off sick uh, for several months uh, contacted and said, she's returning to work next week it's like oh because obviously um, I've been covering some of her work in the in the form of people <laughs> so managing some people on her behalf uh, and it, it's been it's been challenging because uh, uh, when you when you're managing a lot of people it's very difficult to keep a, a grasp of what's happening in their world and especially when they're new into the organization and they don't know what they're doing <laughs> and they're also overseeing their learning and development yeah that can be difficult so oh let's turn this way yes so uh so yesterday was a uh, a positive day there was a little blip in the middle but it was a positive day and uh one of one of the things uh that's been an issue for me this morning well of recently is uh i've been having discussions about being a black female manager in a predominantly white organization uh <laughs> And yesterday, in a couple of meetings, I was not the only black face on the screen. Uh, in one of the meetings, there were three of us. And in two other meetings, there were two of us. Although the other meetings, I was the only one. So, you can't believe what a difference that makes. And, and in the, the final meeting which was a race equality focus group, actually, that's what we're calling it. Uh, I felt really safe uh, amongst these, this group, uh, white male, two white females, and myself, another black female. 
talking really talking openly about race and race equality and I said to one one of the females because we were in a meeting earlier and so mentioned about this meeting later on and she was so excited about attending that meeting and I had to send her a, 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 a personal message to say gosh I was so <laughs> it was so nice to see uh, a white colleague being so excited about attending uh, a meeting talking about race, racism. <laughs> uh, because some people get so defensive in those settings. And it was, it was nice. It was, it was nice to be trying to explore things and not being fearful and learning from others as well. I'm, I'm, I'm learning so much. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's a sort of update. Right. So, career. So, I, I'm not sure what I'm going to, the full title is going to be. I'm not, I'm not sure whether it's going to be about changing career or starting the career or... <laughs> I'll have to think about it. But there's, there's two things that's prompted me thinking about it this morning and also finding uh, I came across a podcast uh, where they were talking about this and I got some ideas from listening to that podcast and uh, that podcast is uh, finance black is it money black millennials (laughs) that's terrible isn't it Uh, my memory Oh, black minel- black millennial money. So it's always good to give credit. Some uh, a recruiter was being interviewed, and uh, let me just actually. It's good to give people proper credit, isn't it? Uh, let's have a look. So I'm trying to find it, career change, and he was talking to somebody in particular. Yeah, so Lola from Adult, old, Adulting by Lola. So, and yes, yeah, so I'm going to look that up myself a bit later today to find out a bit more. Morning. Good morning. So, uh, yeah, career changes. So, two, there's, there's, there's two... <laughs> size this for me so there's we were i was having a conversation yes last night and i was talking about my son so he's going to be finishing university this year around june time i guess <laughs> he's not spent much time at uni this last year obvious for obvious reasons uh, he's going to be start he's going to be finishing uni uh, what I'm aware of is that he's never had a job. He's never had a part-time job. And I know he's anxious about going into the big wide world of employment. And I was thinking, how can I support him, help him make this transition? Because one thing I know, <laughs> he's 21. I don't plan to be supporting him financially once he finishes university. <laughs> So he really does have to find his feet. I was thinking 
about what he may need to know. I've already had some conversations with him before. And when I was having, having the discussion yesterday, we were talking about interviews. And I remember uh, using the, the STAR method, which is situation, task, action, result. And being someone that's been on interview panels, been on many interview panels, uh, you, <laughs> the various experiences of how people uh, manage, uh, perform in an interview. So that was a quite a comical conversation, actually. So definitely something that my son could do with knowing more about. So there's that side. So there's the side of career is is the starting out on a career. Uh, something that I I heard this morning was skills pay bills, and I thought, oh gosh, yes. And I know that. When I was looking at a career, sort of all those years ago, so I had a, an interview with my, a, a careers advisor when I was probably around 16, and I told her the two careers that I was interested in, and they said, oh, don't think that will be... Um, that would suit you because you're very shy. I'm trying to remember how they knew I was very shy. Maybe just how I came across in the interview. You're very shy, and both those careers, professions, uh, require that you are able to stand up in front of people and uh, and talk. And one of those careers was teaching. Now, interestingly enough, <laughs> interestingly enough, I trained and worked as a teacher. So I got a degree in teaching. And the second career <laughs> that I'm still in, uh, I trained. <laughs> I trained and uh, qualified and uh, went on to actually do that job. So, yes, now I'm sort of also wondering back then what other things may have been at play uh, when I was being given that careers advice, uh, knowing that back in 19, probably 1978, 1979, uh, and definitely when I finished school in 1981 I struggled to find a job and I know that racism was definitely at play uh, one, actually a, a recruiter and I actually got this job he said he, he was really surprised that I hadn't been offered jobs already, there you go so so starting out your career and so I'm thinking about my son now I'm <laughs> at the, the grand mature age of 58 uh, I'm, I'm at that, a point now where I, I'm having to think about my job because obviously I'm going to be moving house and moving out of the area that I'm living at the moment but I don't, I don't work and live in the same area 
and I was thinking about moving to the area that I live but that's changed now and I'm considering moving further out now moving to this different area uh, means that I don't have to leave the organisation I work for but it would require that I get transferred to uh, an office closer to where I live. Now at the moment, whilst we're in the pandemic, I work from home full time and so if I was moving right now, I probably wouldn't have to (laughs) change uh, my office location I guess. Uh, because I would still be able to do my my job but once things start start to go back to some kind of normality where the expectation is that we will travel into the office that's when things may get a bit difficult and if it's a long commute it may not be something I want to do however people work from across different counties so just because I'm in, again, just because I'm in another county doesn't mean I can't continue working for the county that I'm in at the moment. So, so there's those things. So, of course, I am now thinking that when the time comes, and maybe I am looking for a transfer, I may not be able to transfer to the role that I'm in at the moment. And I thought, this might be a good time to think about, do I, uh, I suppose, being intentional, being choosing to look for a different role. Now, I've spoken about this subject, about careers, in the past, in that since I've been diagnosed with a chronic illness and the impact it's had on my lifestyle, I, by this time, I was hoping to have changed role, and I had a specific role uh, in mind, which would have required that I travel around. But because travelling became such a problem, a challenge to me, I decided I couldn't go after that role. It's a role that comes up every two or three years. <laughs> so. So I was a bit gutted about that because I didn't want to take the chance really. So, and I I got scared I guess because I thought, I was thinking what what if I start a new role and then I get sick straight away. And I, the thing, the reality is that it could happen to anybody. Anybody could start a role and out of the blue, uh, they become ill or they have an accident. And that happens. I've, I've seen it happen with colleagues around me. And they get back. My, my colleague that's coming back now, she's been off for several months. And, and I've been just so scared about just being off two, two, three months. And so I, I do pull myself back to work. Uh, I was having a conversation about that yesterday as well. 
meeting and I and I and I did say that as a I think ever since I started work uh, I've always felt that I have to work I will have to do have to work harder I can't make mistakes because if I make mistakes then uh, it will be more noticeable and for some reason that I'm representing any other black potential employee and if I get things wrong um, it looks bad on others why I don't know but when things have happened with black colleagues in my head it's like oh I hope they don't think that's just because that person's done it that the rest of us the rest of us and that reminds me that reminds me that I I'm look I'm reading a book listening to a book at the moment and uh, so you want to talk about race and uh, uh, Ijoma Aluo and I keep saying the names so that I remember authors some, because I'm not always that good at remembering authors and actors, etc. And she was... I think it was that her book, because I was also finished reading another book, which is about the, the new science of um, inequality. <laughs> I was kind of reading them alongside each other. So, But I think it was uh, Ijoma's. And uh, she... Oh, an example was given as to how when that when white people uh, talk about maybe something that a black person has done you know wrong it's as if the whole black race is painted that way but when it's a white person that person's treated as an individual and there was an example that was given and the example was given was was actually an example that a black person could use should they find themselves in this situation and want to challenge in some way. And I do know that I have been in many, many situations in the workplace over the years where uh, people have made racist comments, their, you know, racist attitudes, and it's been... Um, you know, overt, and I've not challenged. Sometimes I've said something, but most of the time I have not challenged. I've just let it go. Uh, because you learn very quickly that sometimes when you say things, uh, you get a bit of a rep reputation, uh, and I didn't want to be labelled with having a chip on my shoulder. <laughs> and then somebody said, well, who put the chip there? So this, this was a, an example. I actually shared this in... The, the forum, the focus group yesterday and, uh, and it was imagining being around a photocopier <sighs> not that we're around a photocopier these days at the moment but imagine being around a photocopier or in the kitchen making a cup of tea something like that and uh, somebody makes a comment that um, oh Jamal's late again something like that, Jamal's late and Use the word Jamal because uh, stereotyping that that's likely to be uh, the name of a black person. It doesn't always have to be, but in, in this context. And saying, you know, Jamal is late again, or late. 
and then making somebody making a flippant comment that oh yeah you know about black people being late you know oh you know black people were late always late and when I heard that it triggered a memory for me because I remember uh, years ago that when this this used to come up something like this used to come up. And what was to come of this old, you know, Jamaicans have got a bit of a reputation of being late. And I would feed into that. I would say, yes, Jamaican meantime. And if I am honest, I still say that. Jamaican meantime. And what do I mean by that? That, you know, a Jamaican, they say they're going to get to you at nine o'clock, but don't expect them until two. <laughs> okay. And, and so all my life, I've been living with that. And so one of the things I try to do is not be late because I don't want to be seen as, uh, a, a, you know, oh yes, Jamaicans, they're always late. <laughs> you see how that feeds in? So, <laughs> so with this example, the photocopier, it triggered that memory. But what she also said was if, if it was John, and let's assume... John is white and it was John that was late they say oh John's late they wouldn't then say oh yeah white people are always late they wouldn't say that and and what she was what she was trying to provide was to be able to respond to that and it's not about accusing individuals of being racist but it's more about talking about you know structural racism and that 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 general attitude feeds into um sort of this this racism and that as individuals you're upholding it you know <laughs> because racism is this, this sort of social construct isn't it so by repeating that you are um, encouraging, I guess, you are holding up this stereotype that uh, you know black people like, which is not true. That all black people, it is not true. <laughs> it is not true. I mean, it's something that's used, and it's something that can be used in an organisation to provide an excuse not to employ people from a particular background. Don't want to employ black people because they're always late. <laughs> You see? So I thought I found that was really interesting. And I'm sure that in, in terms of moving to another workplace, and especially thinking about the area that I'm planning to move to, uh, uh, the likelihood is I'm going to find myself in an office where I am, if not the only one of very few black people. But what I wanted to share today, really, having said that, was even so, with, with that, putting myself in the best position to find something that I want. So, I've, I've, so over the last few years, I've just, when, it's, when I've thought about career change, etc., I've just kind of knocked it on the head. And I want to change that this year. I want to, because things are changing for me, big time. And maybe, because I'm going to be in a situation where, I may have to move office locations. And so why not why not be proactive 
and, and not to allow my illness to hold me back anymore. And, and so one of the things I, I hadn't thought about for a while was my CV. And years ago, I used to be very good at keeping my CV up to date and telling other people to do the same, but I haven't done so, definitely in the last seven to ten years. And I thought, I've, I have, in spite of my illness, I have done a lot. I've done stuff within the organisation, and I've done stuff outside the organisation as well. You know, I've written and published a book. Okay? And, uh, and more recently, uh, there's things I've done within my role um, that's been quite innovative. But I haven't got that recorded anywhere. So it was useful to be reminded about the CV and that when I think about the CV that I have got, and I probably can find, find a copy on one of my drives somewhere, it's probably not written in a way that would be um, looked at favourably these days. It's very much just a list of what I've done, but it doesn't show kind of my achievements crossing the road now Ooh. yeah so CV and uh, and the first thing that a CV needs to not just show but demonstrate is your competence your ability to do the job and when I've spoken to my son, I've tried to explain to him that employers aren't always looking for that you have experience of doing that job. They're looking for transferable skills. <laughs> skills pay bills. <laughs> there you go. So, competence. And I guess the competence comes from showing what what jobs or what activities you've been involved in. And I know many years ago, uh, any voluntary stuff that I did, I included on my, my CV as well. So competence is so important and, and that obviously comes from things that you do. Now, the second bit, and I thought this, this was so, this is so cool. <laughs> Now, communication. <laughs> now, communication is key, isn't it? Uh, because you've got to be able to communicate. But it was more than communication. And very much fits in with stuff that I've been learning myself in the online world and all the marketing the stuff that I've learned. And that's about storytelling. And uh, it's what I do as well. Storytelling. And I thought, ah... Oh, I hadn't thought about this within the context of a CV and looking for a job. And at the end of the day, if you think about it, uh, when you are in an interview and you're asked a question, people are looking for your story around that. Okay? And I thought, wow, I can engage with that. I can engage with that story thing. Uh, t telling the story of 
maybe a piece of work that I've, I've done and I was thinking about the STAR method and talking about the situation and what it is that I, you know, I needed to do and then what I actually did and what the result was. Yay! <laughs> uh, but in the CV, see in the C, and so the, here's the thing in the CV. So I know if I was to look at my CV now, it's just got a list of uh, the jobs I've been in and the duties, my duties and tasks pretty boring (laughs) but the idea is in the cv is to tell a story and and to provide an example of your achievements what you did how you did it who you did it for you know uh and i thought fantastic and i I think the other thing there as well is to know who you're communicating to so i'd learned this a while back that people tend to do one cv and give it out to all different people, different organisations, and not tailor it. And so it's so important that you tailor it. So you obviously you'll, you'll have your your foundation, and then for each uh, role that you go for, to tailor it. And I, and I would have been thinking, I think one of the reasons I hadn't thought about looking at my CV um, was because I kind of resigned myself to... Uh, I wasn't going to be looking for a job outside my current organisation. I might look for another role, but not for a different job. But even so, I thought, oh, even within the organisation, if I want to go for another role, it's important that my CV, which is where I can go and quickly access the information, because even if you're going for a role internally, explaining or demonstrating how you can do that job and I think the important thing about competencies and I think what my son is probably worried about is well I've not done that job before but what people are looking for is potential aren't they so in terms of you know the skills you have are those skills transferable okay so yeah so I got really excited with that part with the with the communication and the storytelling, you can hear my keys going in there. And uh, and then there's, there's a next part, which is about being flexible. And I think the flexibility is about uh, the the job being able to, uh, you know, you maybe using skills in one place and, and being able to use it in a different context. Yeah, so, uh, and that reminds me, I'll listen quickly, because I, I did take a note of this. Let's see if I can... Yes. So the other thing was, <laughs> and this relates to interviews, smiling, and that's my thing, that's my thing, uh, about how you convey yourself. Definitely. And I think uh, these days, at the moment where... A lot of interviews are being undertaken uh, over the telephone, so by video call as well. You need to be able to convey. Hey, Smiling Sonia here, your host at Thriving with a Chronic Illness. Now be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on the next episode. Now if you liked what you heard today, be sure to visit my website, smilingsonia.com. 
to learn more about how I can help you build an emergency fund.